So, all right, let's uh, open up to uh, Exodus chapter 3. Also known as Shmot. Names. The book of names, isn't that interesting? That's what the uh, translation is from the Hebrew, right? So uh, in the Hebrew, the, uh, the, the, the first several books of the Bible, the title is taken from the first words, okay? So in, uh, in Hebrew, um, the way Jesus would refer to this book was Shemot, names. It's a book titled Names. Interesting. Let's read with that understanding. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 13. This is really a continuing of the story of, of, of last week with the, fire, with the burning bush, but just a different angle. <clears throat> so chap, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Father, we just come before you and we thank you for the power that was released today during worship. Father, we thank you that no grave could hold you down. And that no grave can hold us down. But Father, I pray that through the teaching of today that we would be released into an understanding that we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for a future time. But we can embark And put on that now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, today's message, I guess it's what now, the third lesson of the sermon series uh, on rediscovering the Father. So I want to talk about his name. Okay? Uh, and so before we talk about a name, uh, is this concept. To name is to define. Okay? I want to, I have some props. Okay? Here are some props. Give, give this a name, please. Glass. Glass. Thank you. Very good. It's awesome. So, the, you know, Mark, who's listening, right? We know Mark. He says hello, by the way. Mark, I have a glass. We've got some props today. So, we have a glass, right? So, we named it. Notice it's not glass. It's a glass. Because if you just said glass, I mean, it could be the windows, right? This is a glass. You wouldn't go to a window and say it's a glass. You'd say it's a window. But this is not glass. This is a glass. And obviously it's used for what? For drinking. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, we just named it. We defined it. Got it? We're good. All right. Well, what's this then? This is, this is what? It's, it's, if it, it's a mug. It's a cup. Is this a cup? What's this? It's a cup, but it's really a 
Okay, so what do we got going on here? All right, am I going to drink orange juice out of this? Eh, sometimes, like, things are in the dishwasher, right? You know, you know what I mean? Like, you run at it. Are you going to drink coffee out of this? If it's iced. But if it's hot, you are not. Now, here's the thing. By calling this a mug, we have just defined its purpose. Now, it's not over. What's this? Bowl. What? I mean, can I drink coffee out of it? Can I drink orange juice out of it? Could I drink water out of it? I could. It's not even that difficult, man. You're... Oh, I see my kids, you like, right? Now look, 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 I mean, come on, man, this is, this is pretty sophisticated stuff, actually. Uh, these are all items that have been designed by man that all actually perform the same function. It is a container that holds liquid. But they're so specific. Now, I'm not going to put cereal in the glass. I'm not going to put cereal in the mug. It's a little weird. But I'm going to put cereal in the bowl. But I'm not going to put coffee in the bowl. I'm not even going to put water in the bowl, but I do for my dogs, but not for me. It's like, oh my gosh. This could be very confusing for people. And we're still not done. A casserole dish, right? A casserole dish. Am I going to drink coffee out of that? But why not? It's used for hot things, correct? You cook hot things in it. Why can't I drink hot things out of it? Oh, yeah, it would probably would spill. Am I going to drink water out of it? Am I going to drink water out of this? Am I going to put Cheerios in here? No, I, I mentioned Cheerios because I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but if, if, if we mention an item, you know, an item like that, Cheerios gives us some money for advertisement. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. We, have, we, got, we got issue here. We got issue here. They all are a hollowed out device that all could actually float to some extent. But yet, of us, obviously, we don't call it a vessel. But they all provide different functions. And the function comes once we give it a name, really. I mean, a jam, I, I could drink something hot out of this in a real jam, right? Like, I'd be honest, we'd go camping, like, if you want coffee and you want a casserole dish and you want something to cook, like you, you, you can't bring all this. So you just bring this made out of rubber that you can flatten out. Like, but it's all doing the same thing. I'm going to drink my coffee out of it. I'm going to have my cereal out of it. Because when you're you know, hiking for days, you don't want to carry all this stuff. It's too heavy. So you have to simplify. Okay? All right. So, okay, that was a really long introduction. Holy cow. All right. So this is what we're getting at here is this. Come on. This happened a couple weeks ago. All right, Sharon, if you can just hit the forward arrow. You can go to the next oh, one, I please. Can do that. Can I even see the screen? Next one? Please, yeah. Mine. Right. No, that's good. Thank you. Uh, to name something is to, to, is to define its character and use. Naming creates borders, boundaries to an object's character and function. That's what's going on here. 
Uh, look, terms, um, it's unbelievable. Once you give name to things, you can change the complete understanding. It, it changes the complete relationship that you have to it. It creates borders and boundaries for yourself and for others, right? Uh, for example, uh, there is a, 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 a girl that I was holding today during worship. It's a girl. But once I say she's my daughter, it's like, oh, okay, you know, he's, he's holding his daughter. Right? There's a difference between a girl, she is a girl, but once she's, she's my daughter, it now has a, a, a relationship attached. It has a border and a boundary that has been attested to it that defines my relationship to it and its relationship to me. A wife. A woman. She's a woman. My wife. Once we say wife, we understand the relationship. And other people understand the relationship. And so defining things to have a certain characterization and relationship to it, does things. The name given defines the border, defines the relationship. Uh, a definition for me, obviously, but also maybe more importantly, a definition for other people. Right? Once someone knows that Michelle is my wife, right? they're not going to ask around on a date. She's a wife. You just now, there's a border there. You don't cross the border. It's been defined. It's been created, right? That's the importance of naming things, right? In the 21st century, what is the enemy attacking now? Identity, Identity and names. And those things which are attached to names. Why? Because names are not just names. They are those things which are used to define relationship and perceptions. Okay? And that's why he's going after it. Okay? So the name God. Well, I remember when I was. Uh, now you can go back. I'll I'll get it. Thank you. I, I, I'm believing it's going to work once it gets the anointing. Uh, the name God. You know, I remember uh, learning from my mother. You know, as a young kid. You know, we would go into the grocery store and she would just go up to someone and like, you know, do you believe in God? And you're just witnessing to people and they'd be like, yes. And she wouldn't be like, oh, that's fine. She would follow up with a question. Well, which God? Which God do you believe in? What? I believe in God. No, no, no. Which God do you believe in? Well, you know, God. No, I'll be like, do you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, what do you mean? The God of the Bible. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Which God do you believe in? There are people all the time that say believe in God. Well, which God? What you have to understand here is this. Um, God, G-O-D, is a tremendously generic title. Tremendously generic. God. Well, which God? How about 200 years ago in this country you say God, people are going to know what you're talking about. Come on, but like, people serve a whole bunch of different gods now. Uh, this is a very, very, very important thing. Which God are we serving? He is the God that revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who bore a covenant with them that we get to now come into. This is a problem, uh, particularly in the Arab world. Uh, yeah, Josh, you can go to the next one, please. Those of you back are going to be able to see this, but... Uh, Arabic uh, Allah is the same word that Arabic speaking Christians and Jews use for God. 
If you pick up an Arabic Bible and you will see the word Allah being used where God is used in English. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Arabic, in the beginning, Allah. Like the same word that is used when worshiping a false god in the mosques. He is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not. But when you sing a worship song in Arabic, you're saying Allah. I think that this is actually part of the reason why there's so much anti-Semitism in the Arabic church. Like in the Middle East, you go to like a Christian church and they're Arab, they're not usually too fond of Jewish people. There's a lot of anti-Semitism in, in that church. Not all of them, but there's a lot. And part of it is, how, how, how could you not? You don't, you're not even bearing the right name. <laughs> He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like the seed of Israel. Amen. Now we're so removed from this like Middle Eastern thing, so it's kind of like whatever, but... Can you imagine worshiping in a, in a Christian church and the same one, the same, you know, Allah Akbar, which is recited before one blows themselves up. God is great. It's the same terminology that you're using when you're worshiping him in a Christian church. This is crazy. This is not a new problem. It's an ancient one. And so I ask you, which God do you serve? What do you call him? Because what you call him creates the identity. And the name defines the border. It defines the relationship. I would say if you say Jesus, you're even off. You should be saying, I serve, God is salvation. Then, now you're really defining the understanding. Can you imagine going to people and be like, do you believe in the man called God is salvation? They'd be like, it's a little different than do you believe in Jesus? Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. No, do you believe in the God who's provided salvation for you? You just, this is a whole game change. I believe in Jesus. Everyone believes in Jesus. They say that he exists. No, you believe in a man, a God, whose God is salvation. If we really wanted to do justice to the idea here, right? I mean, obviously, you know, I hope you hear my heart. So in the ancient world, um, there, were, uh, there, there were many gods, but two main ones in the Middle East. Next, please. Yeah, we go to the next slide. Thank you. Uh, so the one on the left uh, is the god El. Right? Not Elohim, but the god El. The god El is uh, from the, uh, uh, the, I believe, the northwestern part of the Levant, right? The Syria-Lebanon area. The god on the right is Baal, who is uh, more, uh, a little bit to the n northeast. But they all come down into the land of uh, Canaan, or Canaan. Uh, these are the, the, some of the gods that you read about, gods, lowercase g, that you read about in the scriptures. Now, in the ancient world, there needed to be clarification, Right? Moses is talking to God, the God, and he's like, who, 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 who am I supposed to say he sent me? El, Baal, God, you know, what? what? And, Moses, and, and God wants to clarify. 
And so in the ancient world, there needed to be clarification. I'm going to tell you today that in the church today, a reminder of which God and which name is needed more than ever. It really, it really is. And so we go to the next slide. Uh, what's his name? There it is. Next slide, please. Uh, there are the, uh, the, the, the letters in English. So if we were going to translate the above Hebrew into English, there it is. All right. Whew. There, there, there it is. So we go to the next slide. Your Bible, if you have a good Bible, uh, will translate that Hebrew word, essentially Yahweh. They will translate it. And when they translate it, they'll have Lord in all capital letters. Not L, uppercase, then a lowercase O, R, D. No. If they want to refer to the four-letter name of God, which is known in, 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 in uh, scholarship as the Tetragrammaton, four-letter word of God. They will put it all in caps. So if you went back to the story of Moses, it says that I am the Lord God. The Lord part is all capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Uh, sometimes, uh, depending on what kind of br uh, br bringing up you were, uh, they'll, they'll refer to this as Jehovah, Right? Uh, so it, it's, it's tricky because uh, we actually don't know how to pronounce it anymore. Because if we go back a slide, please, uh, if we go back, you see there are no vowels. Right? There are no vowels. So is it Yahavah? Is it Yahweh? Is it Yahweh? Is it Yahweh? We don't know. But there was a time that we did know. Um, Let's, uh, let, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 1. Exodus chapter 6, the book of Shemot, the book of names. Verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the what? I am the Jehovah. I am the Lord. I am the Yahweh. All capital letters. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. Interesting. I was not known by the patriarchs by this name. Yahweh. Well, if we take a look at the story of the patriarchs, we've got some frustrating things. For example, Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, Abraham refers to God as Jehovah Jireh. So he seems to know the name. He says Yahweh. He says Jehovah. It's written there, big L, big O, big R, big D. Uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 20, Jacob says that Jehovah brought me to you. The big L, big O, big R, big D. I don't get it. Exodus chapter 6-3. The patriarchs did not know me by this name. Ah! I read the true story of the patriarchs and they're reciting his name. Is God a liar? Is God forgetful? What's going on here? Here's the thing, man. The patriarchs could recite the name. But God says unto Moses, they did not know me by this name. I want to encourage you this. You may know and be able to, I mean, you may be able to recite the holy name of God. But do you know 
his name. When God says, Moses, you know me by this name, he's using a Hebrew word, which is yodea, to know. In the scriptures, it says that Abraham knew his wife. Noah knew his wife. Right? It, when you hear this, it, 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 it's a word in the biblical Hebrew that signifies a very deep, intimate relationship and experience. When it comes to spouses, it, it's re- re- referring to the intimacy of, of sexual intercourse. Moses, you knew, you know me intimately. You know me experientially. As deep and as intimate as spouses. You see, it is more than an awareness of his name and his existence. It is to know him by experience, by intimacy. Moses is the first one to know God in this deep, intimate way. He doesn't just recite the holy name Yahweh. He knows the holy name Yahweh. My question for you is this. Do you know the name? Not like I can recite Yahweh. I'm saying, do you know God, the Father, in a deep, intimate relationship, experiential way? He who knows the Son is supposed to know the Father. Do you know the Father? It's a good question to ask. I think a lot of people in the church don't know the Father. I mean, they know Him because of the blood of Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But I think the Father is up there. It's like, you know, I really would like some time. And I know they're all one, but they're also separate. And so, do you know the name of God? And do you actually know Him in this intimate way? And, or have you lost the experiential? See, what's going on with Moses and God is that there is about to embark on a tremendous, tremendous experience that no other man has had. We're talking face to face here. We're talking a fiery bush. We're talking about like a deliverer to the, to the people of Israel. And so these are good, good questions to ask ourselves. Do you know that name? Have you had the experience? The Yada or the Yodea? Uh, in the first century AD, interesting enough, around the times of Yeshua Jesus, the Jewish people lost the pronunciation of Jehovah or Yahweh. It went missing. Okay? They got rid of the vowels. And so, today, you will never, ever, ever find a Jewish person say Jehovah or Yahweh. It's like, no, we cannot mention that name because I cannot speak that name in the wrong way because it's such a holy name. I don't want to, like, disrupt it. I don't want to, you know, disdain it. I don't want to take it in vain. It's such a holy name. And I get that. And I appreciate that. You guys know how much I appreciate Judaism uh, and, the, and, 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 our, and our brothers and in the, in the faith of, of Abraham. But it's a sad day. It's a sad day, man, when you lose the name. But what's only sadder is if you've never had the name. There's a lot of people in the church. 
What do I mean by not having the name? It's not like, oh my gosh, do I refer to God now as Yahweh? Jehovah in my prayer? That's... Have you had the experience? Have you had the experiential with the Father? To lose the name is to lose the experience. To know him is to know the experience of him. And so the name you use, uh, as we go to the next slide, the name you use determines the perception of your relationship to the object. God ensures that Moses and Israel will understand the relationship by defining the perception through a name. God wants to really, really, really make sure that the children of Israel understand the relationship. And he's like, I'm not just G-O-D. I am. Can you imagine being on a mountain saying, I got to go to the people of Israel, who are known as the Hebrews at this time, in Egypt, after 400 years of slavery, they're going to follow me, God. I'm going to be this weird guy that comes out of the desert, and I have to convince him to follow me. I need a name of who sent me. And he says, tell him, tell them I am who I am has sent me. It's like, what the heck is this? Like, you can't say El. You can't say like Baal. You can't give yourself a noun. He gives himself a verb. Your God is a freaking verb, man. He's not a noun. He's a verb that is a noun. He is a verb. He is an action verb. You know, like, think about that. Like, people serve money. People serve knowledge. People serve sex. People serve this Hindu God and this Muslim God. You serve a God that is a verb. Not a noun. Have you ever meditated on that man? Your God is a God of action. That's the perception and that's the relationship he wants to convey to you. You can't put an action into a bottle. You can't put an action into a boundary and a border that you have. It's amazing. He's a verb. He's not just any verb. He's a verb of I am, I was, and I am to be, and I am to come. What is this, man? This is complete existence. The God that we serve is the element of existence. All things exist through Him. That means all things. You serve existence. You serve the God that is existence. He's not even the God of existence. He is existence. Man, there's no Canaanite God that can like trump that. He is existence as you know. Yes, he's breathed his life into man. Without that breath, we do not. He spoke, and through his voice, all things were created. Without his voice, nothing can be. (laughs) This is not a God that you can just like have him bow down to your whims and your wishes, man. It's not a God of like, you know, middle class America value system. This is a God that is a verb. So, the God of existence, right? 
It's crazy. Go to the next slide, please. This was God's answer to the people's outcry. What is his name? He says, my name is YHVH. I was, I am, and I am to come. I'm existence. He's not just a thing. He's not just a what. He is. He's an action. He is an active being. Next slide, please. So he says, I was, he says, I am, and he says, I am to come, right? Okay, well, this is like really kind of spatial, man. This is like really kind of weird. Let's see, Josh, if I get closer. Um, what, 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 why I was, why I am, why I am to come, right? Let's, let's try to make sense of this. Um, the, the notion of I was is, is the past. He's the God of the past. He's the God of your past. Amen. It's the place of retrospection. It's the place of thinking and being and meditating and understanding your past. He says that I am, uh, which is the purpose and the understanding of you having a place of introspection. Come on, how many of you in your life actually walk through a life where you are introspecting? You are contemplating. You are a, contempl a contemplative. You're someone who contemplates the existence of God and your relationship with Him and you invite Him into the now. It's very Zen, it's very Buddhist, but they just stole it. Meaning, how many of you live in a present? I mean, you're not thinking about tomorrow. You're not, you're not thinking about next week. You're not thinking about the bill that's going to pay. You're like, I am engaging in the God of now because he is. Such a non-Western thing. It's not my life. The, the I was. How many of you? Now we'll save that. I am to come uh, is the place of expectation. It's the expecting of what he is. So what, what God is saying is he is all things. He's all history. He's all presence. He's all future. But that's like very, very out there. So let's like break it down to your life. He was in your past. He is in your present. And he is in your future. He always is. And he's always there. Despite whatever the heck you've gone through. Okay. And so here it is, man. If you don't bring the God I am into both the pain and the joy of the past, I, I, you, you have to buckle this in. You have, to, you have to grab this right now. There are a lot of sick Christians, man. There's a lot of sick Christians out there. It's because they don't know the name. If you don't bring the God I am into both the pain and the joy of the past or the presence... If you do not bring him into the future hopes and expectations of your life. But I really want to emphasize, if you do not bring him into your, the pain of your past. If you do not know, do that, you know his name. You can recite his name, but you do not know him like Moses knew him. There are so many Christians who will not invite God, the Father, the God of I Am, into their past. It is so easy to see God in the expectation. I can almost hear Israel recite, like, of course, 
God will deliver us from Egypt. It's so easy to be like, God is going to have my body be resurrected on the last day. I've always, always like laughed about this. It's like, it, we, we casually just throw out this, like, this statement. Like, so easy to just say, God has saved my soul, and he's going to raise me up on the very last day. I want to spend eternity in heaven. Like, it's so like, we say it's so cavalier. But to like believe that God is in your moment and in your difficulty right now, like we, we can't believe that. Like you believe God has died for you and has resurrected his body and that we get to have life eternally. Amen. And our bodies are going to be resurrected on the last day. We're going to get a new body, a new spirit. There's going to be a new heaven that's going to descend with a new Jerusalem. Like we believe all of that. We're just like far out crazy. But we say it so like cavalier, like, of course. God can be here in my suffering. God's going to take care of my bills. I just don't believe that. God is going to take care of my terminal disease. I can't believe that. You believe that you're going to have eternal life and you're going to get a new body. And then just get the, God the Father is going to come down to earth. You believe all that, but you can't believe for the now? <laughs> what are you doing? It's so easy to believe in those future things, right? It's so much harder to implement faith in the now. But God is not just the God of the future. He's the God of the now, and he's the God of your past as well. This is the key point when dealing with Israel. This is the key point. Uh, I, I can see, like, God, like Moses sitting there like, oh, man, I know these Hebrews. I know when I go there what they're going to be saying. They're going to come to me, and they're going to be like, well, where was I all these years? Not Moses, but like, where was God? Like, where God? God, where were you? Like, 400 years of slavery, and now you show up? Now you show up? It's like, man. 400 years of bondage. 400 years of work. It's crazy. Uh, and so what is God saying with the revelation of this name? It's not like, oh, just tell him this is my name. What he's saying here is this. Uh, I was with you. It's not, like, it's, not like, it's not like he's just saying, like, I was with you. He's saying here, my name, in fact, shows you that I was that's it. I don't even have to say I was with you. I, I was. Like his name shows you that he was with you. It's not like I was with you. It's like, no, my name is I was. Meaning I am the past. So I was with you. I was with you. I am being. This is essentially what he's saying. I'm with you. I am being. I am existence. I am reality. I am in the groan of a beaten slave. 400 years, man. You're getting beaten on, you're crying out, you see your kid getting beaten on and crying out to the slave masters. Now, where the heck were you, God? You're suffering? You're on answered prayer? Your thing that you held out for. 
Yeah, there was pain. There was hardship. I was there. I was there at the hardest moment of your life. Not only was I there, that was me. Not necessarily the suffering, but the existence of a past as a concept is me. History is me. I am being, I am existence, I am reality. I am the groan, I am in the groan of a beaten slave, in the wail of a bereaved mother, in the spilled blood of a murdered child. But I do not see these things from some distant heaven, holy and removed from your existential pain. I am there with you, suffering with you, praying for redemption together with you. You cannot see me, it is because I am so real. You know, we, 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 we clean the scriptures so much. We, we make it so crystal clean and not real. I'm going to be honest. Some Egyptian goes out into the wilderness for some time, comes back, and I'm a Hebrew. Oh, you were the prince, and now you're telling me that God spoke to you? Where was that God the last 400 years? I mean, couldn't you totally see that? That's why Moses is freaking out. It's like, no, I was there. You go to the next slide, please, Josh. And uh, Mary, if you can come on down, please. If you cannot see me, it is because I'm so real. I think this is the problem of not understanding the name of God. He is so real that he is reality. And it's a little out there. I hope you can, you can follow. It's not like, oh, God is so real. God is real. He is the concept of reality. And the world does not live in reality. If you do not live in reality, you can't see that which is real. God is real. He is existence. If you do not live in that existence, you can't see the existence. They live in a false world which they have created. So they can't see him in the pain and they can't see him in all the things because they're not living in reality. Because to live in reality is to live and abide in him because he is existence. Now, to be fair to the world, Christians do a pretty bad job at teaching others or understanding themselves what it means to live in the God of I was, I am, and I will be. We usually only preach a future God and a future gospel. He will save you. Well, that's great. What does that mean for when my... Mom died 10 years ago. He will save me? Future tense. What about then, man? What about back then when I'm on the street shooting up heroin? What about that? Christians largely don't have an answer for that. And the reason why they don't have an answer for that is because they largely don't deal with it in their own life. 
You get saved in the present. You're engaging with the God I am. And you believe that God will be there tomorrow, next week, and then you're engaging in the God of will be. If you do not go back to your past and visit the God of I am, or sorry, I was, you will be a very sick Christian. But I was saved and I was baptized and received the Holy Ghost. But you never went back. I'm not saying to conjure up. I'm not saying conjure up all the past pain. That, 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 that can do a lot of damage. And any counselor will, will say that. But I know a lot of believers who never dealt with all the junk of their past that's still holding on to them. And they just think that because they were baptized and believe in Jesus, it's all going to just go away. Human body doesn't work that way. Human mind doesn't usually work that way. You got to go back and you have to invite God into why did my father abandon my family and abandon me when I was two? If you don't go back to that place, you're never going to understand the God who is your Abba, your father. You have to go back. And Christians don't do that very well. Because you're not taught it. I'm not saying conjure up all the junk, but you have to invite him into your past. Like You have to invite him and say, why is it, Lord, that I was in an abusive relationship where I got beat? Why did you allow that to happen? That's like Israel saying, who, who is delivering me? The God that was with you. Like you have to come to him and be like, actually in that abusive relationship, God was there in the suffering. In fact, in that abusive relationship, or when you were shooting up heroin on the street, he was right there. And he held back your arm and the arm of death so that you would not overdose. And he held back the strike of that abusive parent or the abusive spouse and said, you can't hit one more time because that will bring forth death. He was there. And if you do not go back and you do not invite that in, you have a very warped sense of your relationship. There's so many believers out there, like, I want to like, just shake them, who still have so much, what do you want to call it? What is it? Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> or undealt with stuff, right? Baggage. 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 Things that they haven't dealt with. They just, they just hit it. <clears throat> I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like, they just hit it with the blood of Jesus. They didn't allow the blood of Jesus to actually cover it and get rid of it. Because they don't know the name. They can pronounce Jehovah, but they haven't invited the experience of having God now, having God in the future they get, but having God inviting him into his past. You have to do that. Do you know your father or only by the generic title? G-O-D. Or do you know him by inviting him into all your experiences? Jesus, you were there. You were there before I even knew you. You were there when I was a bum on the street. You were there when I was addicted to alcohol. You were there when I was shooting up heroin. You were there. there. You were, you were just always there with me. 
Because Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father petitioning and praying for you even when you were a mess. But you have to invite him into that past place. Inviting him to heal the past. Have you placed borders, boundaries upon him? Or do you know him by the experience? Experience is existence. And existence of being is his active name. He is not a thing or a what. He is a being of the existence of heaven coming to earth. <laughs> Moses sees God the Father, the God I am, the God I was, the God who is to come on holy Mount Sinai. But the ultimate revelation of the experience of God came upon a different mountain, Mount Calvary. Colossians 1, 15-16. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Why don't we stand? Experience is existence. And that experience and that existence came down to a cross. I want to read a little bit more of Colossians 1. I just read 15 to 16, but I'm going to, I'm going to read what's right before it and what's right after it. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed unto us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Talk about a God of action. Talk about a God of a verb to be. In just those several scripture verses, we have an experience and the understanding of God says, listen to these verbs, these actions. He delivered us, brought us into salvation, redeemed us through his blood, forgave us of our sins. He created all things. He made peace through the cross. You see, the Father restored his name. Maybe not the pronunciation of it yet, but it restored the concept of a God of the past, a God of retrospection, the God of introspection, and the God of expectation. He restored that through the name of Yeshua, through the name of Jesus. The ultimate experience, the ultimate mount, the existence, the experience of the Almighty God was laid down upon a cross for you and me. 
the place of the ultimate retrospection I was. The place of the ultimate introspection I am that I am. And the ultimate expectation I will come on the great and terrible day of the Lord where the graves will in fact be opened once again. Amen? Amen. Father, we just come before you right now. And if people got a little lost in the Hebrew and lost in the, in, the, in the concepts, Lord, I just pray right now that they come to a place that would just say, Lord, I want to experience you. I don't want you to be just a God of the generic, a God that is a title. I want you to be a God that is alive and well and active in my life. And Father, I pray for those sick Christians out there, those people who are still sick, who still haven't laid it all down to the Lord. Lord, that they can invite you not just into the present. Lord, that they can invite you not just into the future of the God who will, but Lord, that they can invite you into the God of the past. The past hurt, the past suffering, just like the Hebrews had to do when they were in Egypt. But where were you those 400 years? And he says, I was with you. Not only was I with you, but my name proves to you that I was there. And I'm here now. And I always will be there. Father, we pray for those people who have past hurt. Past stuff, past garbage that they have not yet allowed you to heal and maybe manifesting in their life compounded guilt shame poverty mindset ego fear Lord all that could be surrendered to the God who was to the God who is the God who is to come 